once more amazing grace. Come on, if you're thankful for the grace of God, would you just raise up your hands and sing it to him? Remember where you were the day he found you. Remember that spot you knelt down out and prayed and asked God for his grace. grace today. Would you do that? Come on, it's amazing today. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be lost and on our way to a devil's hell for eternity. But because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross of Calvary, and the blood that he shed, I can raise up my voice and I can declare my chains are gone. Being set free. Thank God for His grace. Come on and praise the Lord for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God for His grace. Now, while you're standing, and if you're not standing, go ahead and stand and reach for your Bibles, please, this morning, if you don't mind. Pastor Tony and this choir and this worship team, thank you this morning for leading us into the presence of God for your work and your labor and for your ability and your gifts that you share with us every single Sunday. Thank God for His grace. Amen? Reach for your Bibles today, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want us to go there together, please, if you don't mind. And I want to read the first 10 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible or you don't have electronic device with your scripture on it. You can follow along on the PowerPoint today that I've prepared for you on the screen behind me. And I want to read to you from these verses that, is, that are very familiar, well-worn passage of scripture that will be very familiar to many of you. And here's what Paul writes, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. You may have a different version, so it may read a little differently. This is Paul talking here, and we believe that Paul is talking about himself and referencing himself in this passage of Scripture. It is doubtless, he said, or necessary, though not profitable for me to boast, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Verse number 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, and we believe that Paul is talking about himself, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Verse 3, and I know such a man, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, verse 3, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Verse 4, how he was called up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Verse 5, of such a one, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. Verse number 6, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Verse number 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure. By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me or beat me down, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace, everybody say grace, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul said, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I'll conclude with verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul said that there was a thorn in the flesh. 
a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him or to beat him down. And I want to take a few moments this morning, I want to preach on this thought, the ministry of thorns. The ministry of thorns. Right before we're seated, could we pray one more time? Father, thank you today for the word. Holy Spirit, I'm now asking you today to breathe upon this message that you have laid upon my heart this past week. God, I'm asking that you would give the people today ears to hear, give them spiritual eyes to see, and give them a spiritual heart, God, to receive the truth of the Word of God. Father, enable me today to preach with clarity, with power, with conviction, with boldness. Enable me today to preach, God, with a heart of love as I encourage these people today that sit on these pews. God, when we walk out of this building today, may we know that we have been in the presence of the Lord. And may we be different today when we leave than we were when we walked in this place today. I love you. I thank you. I praise you for it, for what you're going to do in these altars in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, the church together said amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated today. Thank you for standing. The Apostle Paul is quite possibly the most prolific writer of all of Scripture. Paul had a number of gifts and a number of of abilities that he shared with people. Paul was a masterful church planter. Paul could go into an area, Paul could go into a region and establish a church and structure that church and set that church up and then turn it over to somebody else. And those churches, Brother Turpin, would flourish and would prosper. Paul, without a doubt, is and was a gifted writer. He could take a pen and put it to parchment as he wrote books like Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus and Philemon, and the list goes on and on of this man that could write and could explain to us and and dissect truth for us and deliver such powerful words that would stir us. There was one thing that Paul may not have been very gifted in. It, It could have very well been preaching. If you go back into the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that Paul preached one time from sundown to sunup. And may may not have been the fact that he was not very gifted, but boy, he was long-winded. Some of you thought I was bad on Sundays. And he preached from the time the sun began to set until the sun came up, and there was a young man sitting in a windowsill by the name of Eutychus. Paul had preached so long, the room had gotten so hot Eutychus literally fell out of the windowsill down to his death. Paul preached that boy to death. Paul didn't think anything of it. He just walked downstairs, picked him up, embraced him, prayed over him, and God raised the boy up. Paul was quite a man. But here in this 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul reveals to us an experience that he had. A supernatural, spiritual, Pastor Tony, experience that he has. And through those first six verses or so, he reveals what happened. And then he takes some time and he begins to reminisce about that experience. He talks about a time frame some, when he wrote this to the church at Corinth 14 years ago, he says. He was caught up into a place. He, it was so powerful and so, so life-changing. He wasn't sure if he was in his body or out of his body. It was, it was such a powerful spiritual moment that he had. He talked about a, about a third heaven that he was caught up in. He literally called the place paradise. And he said that when he got there, there were things that were uttered and things that were spoken about. He said they were inexpressible. I can't even find the words, he said, to even begin to explain to you what I heard and what I saw. And then Paul 
is reminded of something that came as a result of that experience. Because if one would have such an encounter like that and see the things that he saw and hear the things that he heard, it would be easy for pride and arrogance to to rise up on the inside. So he said, just so in case that he would become boastful or prideful, he said, there was this thorn in the flesh that was given to me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. And from verses 7 through verse number 10, he talks about this thorn in the flesh. Now, when I think about thorns, I associate thorns with roses. Kind of like the one that I'm holding here in my hand. If this lives through this message, some nice lady, you can take this home and put it in a vase, and it'll probably last you till tomorrow. Maybe I need to give it to a man to give to your wife, because maybe you need some brownie points. Pastor Tony, you could probably use some, couldn't you? (laughs) And when I think of thorns, I associate thorns with with roses. If you've ever received a long-stemmed red rose somewhere on this stem, down here at the bottom, there are some thorns that are on this rose. Or maybe you have some rose bushes that are in your yard. I remember as a kid, one of the churches that my dad pastored, we had a couple of rose bushes in the yard. And every year those things would begin to bloom and they had thorns all over them. And I always wondered why that every time he cut the grass, when he came back in, my mother seemed a little perturbed. And I figured it out because he used to cut the rose bushes down for some odd reason. But I recall those rose bushes. There was two that sat right in our front yard. There were beautiful blooms on the top, but they were covered with thorns. I recall one time at the very first church that I pastored, I stood over top of a very small white coffin of a nine-month-old little girl who had been shaken to death by the babysitter. I got a call from a lady in our church. It was her very best friend whose little girl had been killed. And while I was sitting in the hospital with Kelly as she had just given birth to J.C., I'm sitting in the corner of that hospital room. Kelly's laying in the bed. We have J.C. in there, and I'm I'm celebrating, and I'm just in awe of the birth of this beautiful little baby girl. And while that is happening at one moment, at the next moment, I am literally jotting down funeral notes to preach for a nine-month-old little girl, shaken to death by the babysitter. And as I stood over top of that small white coffin that day, there was a beautiful spray of white roses that covered that coffin. And there is no doubt in my mind that somewhere on the stems of those roses, there were thorns. And thorns, in a natural sense, are things that stick us and they prick us and they cause us to bleed. Thorns are and can be very painful in a natural sense. But here's what I have come to discover. That there are times in life that we deal with thorns. There are painful experiences that happen in our lives. There are things that hurt us and that wound us and that come to us. They they are thorny experiences, if you will. But there is what I believe a ministry of thorns. And I mean, but when I say that, that those difficult experiences, we learn from them. Those things that hurt us, those tough places that wound us, they also teach us. And Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh, and it's interesting to me the verbiage that he uses when he said a thorn in the flesh was given 
to him. Almost like it was a, a gift. A gift of, of thorns. What a strange gift that would be. And Paul talks about some of the thorns in verse number 10 of the text that I read to you when he, he talks about things like persecutions and distresses and needs and infirmities and sickness and insults. There was something that Paul knew about thorns in his life. You can hear in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at the 24th verse, listen to this man in the thorns from the Jews. Five times I received 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. That is the verbiage of a man who understood what it was like to have thorns in his life. And every single one of us that are sitting here this morning, we've had some thorns that we've had to deal with in life. And everybody's thorn is not the same. There are people here today, you have dealt with a thorn of sickness. There are other people here today, you've dealt with a thorn of financial struggle. There are people here today, your thorn may be grief. Your thorn may be depression. Your thorn may be anxiety. Your thorn may be discouragement. But whatever it is, every single one of us in this auditorium this morning, we have had those thorny places that have popped up in our lives, that have cut us and that have wounded us and have left us with more questions, then we have answers. If you've ever stood at the graveside of a loved one and walked away from there, you know what it's like to deal with thorns. If you've ever looked at a checkbook and week after week you see more going out than you do coming in and you're being faithful and you're tithing and you're giving and doing everything you're supposed to do and God's promised He's going to take care of you. You know what it's like to have thorns. If you pillow your head at night and your heart races and your pulse is pounding and your palms are sweating and your mouth is dry because anxiety and fear has gripped your life, you know what it's like to have thorns. If you've ever been at that place, you can't hardly get yourself out of the bed. And when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you want to pull the covers over your head. You don't even feel like getting up and facing the day. You know what it's like to deal with a thorn. Thorns are not uncommon. Every single one of us have thorns in life that we deal with. And just for the next few moments, I want to unpack this text for us quickly. And there's just a few things that Paul talks about that I, I want to communicate to you. First of all, I believe he talks here in this text about the reason for the thorns. And here's what he said. He said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. He said, a messenger, everybody say a messenger. A messenger of Satan that was sent, he said, to buffet me or to beat me down. Is there anybody in this place that you have ever, by the time that the week is over and Monday rolls around after everything that you've been through, you feel like you've been beaten down? Anybody ever felt like you have been through so much and you've experienced so much and you've struggled so much and you've had so much pain and hurt in your life that you feel like you have been beaten down and you can't take anything else? And any time that thorns come into our lives, Satan is trying to get a message through to us. 
He's trying to get a message through to you that says God doesn't love you or you wouldn't be going through this. God, I feel the Holy Ghost today. He tries to get a message through to you that says you've been praying about this all this time. God has never heard you and God will never answer your prayer. He tries to get a message through to you and try to get a message through to Paul that says look what your past sin has caused in your life. But that message never got through to Paul. Because Paul, through his writings, we understand he had learned how to discipline the mind. And he refused to allow the message, that discouraging, tormenting, despondent message of Satan to get through to him. Here's how I know that because in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. He would go over and write to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes understanding. It will guard your heart and guard your mind. And in verse 8, he would say, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. The only way that you will ever be able to keep the enemy's message from getting through to you is to discipline your mind and not fill it with a sermon and not fill it with a song, but fill it with the living Word of God. I'm telling you, don't let the message of the enemy get through to you about the thorns. Meditate and think upon the good things of the Lord. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight oh Lord my strength and my redeemer if you'll get the word in you the message from the devil will never get through to you because I've got way too much invested I've come way too far my faith is way too strong to buy into the lie of the devil I've got the word it's in me and it's working come on and praise him if you believe that and it's interesting to me that Paul never identified specifically what the thorn was. He just said a thorn. Now, there are some commentators and theologians that say that Paul had some kind of physical ailment that he was talking about. Some say that Paul was dealing with blindness, and that was the thorn. I heard one man say, and this is my favorite, he said he believes the thorn Paul was talking about was his mother-in-law. I don't think think that Paul ever married. He may have. But boy, if he did, he might have had a point right there. (laughs) I've got a great mother-in-law. I'm her favorite son-in-law. You know why? I'm her only son-in-law. But whatever the thorn was, Paul, Paul never specifically identified what it was. It was obscure. You know why? I believe he did that. So every single one of us could identify with him exactly what he was going through. You know, it is one thing to have to walk through a difficult place and a struggle and deal with pain in your life. And it's hard if you, if you try to think that nobody understands what I'm dealing with. And nobody understands what I'm going through. But, but if you've got somebody that can come alongside of you and can say, I've been there, I've done that, I've even got the T-shirt, and I know what you're experiencing, and I know what you're going through, and I can identify with you, it gives us a certain amount of strength that we otherwise would not have. And not only does he leave it obscure, 
And he doesn't identify what it is so that we can identify with him. But Jesus Christ can identify with every single thorn that you have ever dealt with in your life. Because they twisted one day a crown of thorns, placed it on the top of his brow, took this wooden stick and beat those thorns deep into his brow. And as the blood dripped down and the pain coursed through his body, listen, it let us know that we have somebody. If nobody else understands where you are, and if nobody else can understand or comprehend what you're going through, Jesus Christ himself certainly does. That's why the writer of Hebrews would write in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, who was in all points tempted as we were yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Jesus understands and he identifies with every thorn in your life. And there is something about the thorns that make us appreciate the rose. There is nothing, I don't think, more beautiful than a freshly cut dozen red roses that are in full bloom. I don't think there's anything nearly as beautiful, even as a single rose, all by itself. And if you read that love book in the Bible called Solomon, there's a description there that theologians and commentators believe that Solomon is referring to Jesus himself when he calls him the Rose of Sharon. And listen, you cannot really appreciate the beauty of Jesus And you cannot really appreciate the rose that Christ is until you have some thorns that you have to deal with in your life. But here's what I believe. If we'll take our thorn of grief to the throne of grace, when it passes Calvary, your misery will become your ministry. Just because you've got some thorns in your life right now, it does not mean that life is over. That simply means if you'll keep climbing and you'll keep moving, and you'll keep pressing at the top of this thing. There is a beautiful rose called the Lord Jesus Christ who understands right where you are. Number two, gives us the reason for the thorns, but then he talks about the request for the removal of the thorn. Not once, not twice. Three separate times Paul says, Lord, please take this away from me. And three times, God says, no. Sorry, Paul. I can't do it. Lord, please, I'm asking you nicely. Take this thorn away. Paul, I can't do it, son. I'm sorry. God, I'm just going to ask you one more time. Please take this thorn from me. Paul, I've told you twice. I'm going to tell you one more time, but this time I'll give you a little bit more. No. And here's why, Paul, because my grace is all you need. My grace, my unmerited favor, my goodness to you, is all you need, Paul. God said no. God said, I'm not going to take the thorn away. So Paul said, you know what? I'll just change my attitude about it. Paul refused to see that thorn as an enemy. And B, it was sent by the enemy. He told us that. But he refused to see that thorn as an enemy. He saw it rather as something that could help him develop in his life. How we understand with me today that it is not always God's will to remove the thorn from your life. There are times that God will look down from heaven and he will see the weight and the load that we're carrying. 
He'll see the thorns that we're dealing with in our lives. And he'll say to himself, I believe, you know, I could go down there. And I could eradicate and fix every problem they have. But I believe he says to himself, but you know what? They, they really seem to be developing well underneath this. And if I, if I remove it too soon, I'm going to stagnate. And I'm going to stunt. And I'm going to hinder their growth that's happening in their lives. And see, if God always took away every difficult thing in our life, and if God always removed every thorn in our life, we would never become what He wants us to become. It's like that little boy that was watching this butterfly emerge from a cocoon. And he saw the butterfly struggling. And he saw the butterfly working so hard to get out of that cocoon, and he felt sorry for the butterfly. And he thought, I'll help the butterfly get out. And he takes a pair of scissors and he cuts the cocoon so that the butterfly can finally emerge. And as he cuts the cocoon and the butterfly comes out, it just kind of flops down on the table and its wings are shriveled. And it looks deformed. And it doesn't look right. And what the little boy didn't know was that the butterfly's wings receive strength in the midst of the struggle. But I'm preaching pretty good today. And that's why God would say to Paul that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And what you don't realize is that your spiritual stamina and your spiritual strength and your maturity and your development, it doesn't come on top of the mountain. It doesn't come when the days are easy. It doesn't come when there's no pressure and there's no pain. It comes in the midst of the struggle. And the longer you struggle and the harder you struggle, the stronger that you get. Listen, God can do one of two things when you find yourself in that place. He can lift the load. <clears throat> Or he can strengthen your back. And there's times that I have found in my life that more often times than not, he will strengthen my back instead of lifting the load. Because God is more concerned with developing your character than he is in solving your problems. Can I get some help in here today a little bit? Somebody say amen on me or do something. <laughs> God's not nearly as interested in solving your problems and fixing your problems as he is in developing your character. And sometimes we just have to stand. When you can't do anything else, you just have to stand. It's what Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, he said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What did Paul say? Stand therefore. One version says you just keep taking it and you 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 got a thorn here and a thorn there, but when the dust settles and the day is done, you are are still standing because God has seen your faithfulness and God will help deliver you. Come on, if you're glad about that, and give the Lord praise today. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. Paul talks about the reasons. Paul talks about the request. And Paul talks about his response to the thorn. Paul did three things real quickly. Number one, Paul gladly received it. Know what he said? He said, therefore, most gladly. 
most gladly? He didn't say some gladly. He didn't say a little gladly. Brother Harold Stout, he said, therefore, most gladly. With open arms, Paul said. What kind of nut was he? You know what we do, don't you? We see a thorn, and we take off this way. I don't want the thorn. I don't want the struggle. I don't care if it makes me stronger. I don't care what the end result's going to be, because most of us have this mindset in this Western culture that we live in, the easier the better. And what did Paul say? Paul said, therefore, most gladly. Most gladly. See, we're so busy trying to get out of what's hard. And when you try to get out of what's hard, God can't get out of you what's bad. Man, I'm, am, I, am I preaching all right today? Thank you, sir. That's my amen corner right there. <clears throat> Paul said, I gladly received it. And here's the second thing he did. He gloried in it. He shouted about it. I mean, he praised God for it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the thorn. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for the struggle. Thank you for the difficulty. Thank you for the heartache. Thank you for the hurt. God, I shout about what's happening in my life. How many of us do that? Not me. And probably not most of you. But watch what he said. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. He bragged about it. You know what? Let I, I me just talk to you from my sector for a moment, my, my circle. We go to state meetings, and some of that little talk that we do when we see each other, hey, hey, man, how you doing? And that, for some reason, to some guys, is, is, an, is, is an open door for them to tell you how many they run, how big their church is, and everything they've done. <clears throat> and I used to be like that a long time ago. But then I thought, you know, that's not what really we're at. We're not asking that. And I've had guys, hey, man, how you doing? They say, well, I, said, I didn't ask you how your church is doing. I didn't ask how many you had on Easter Sunday. I said, how are you doing? And they'll go on and tell you, but you know what I think we ought to do sometime? We go to a meeting. How you doing? Well, praise God. This is the worst it's ever been. I'm telling you, it's bad right now. The church is split. The bottom has dropped out financially. I don't know what we're going to do. I may have to go and get a secular job, but praise God, he's developing me through this. Maybe when you get to work sometime and folks say, how are you doing? Instead of acting like everything's okay, see, you know what? Things are really hard right now. I've got some strife in my marriage. The checkbook is not balancing out, and things are really bad. But I just want to shout about it and thank God because he's doing something in me in the midst of this. Paul gloried in the thorn. Paul shouted about the thorn. Maybe when you get up tomorrow morning and it feels bad and you know it's hard, instead of griping and complaining, the first thing you do when your feet hit the floor, you just start dancing. God I thank you for the thorn. I thank you for the struggle today. I thank you for the heartache. I shout about my struggle because you're doing something in me that couldn't be done otherwise. Oh, hallelujah. He gladly received it. He gloried in it. Watch this. Pastor Tony, come help me lay in this, please. And he got a new perspective. You know what he said? I take and my infirmities. He didn't stop there, though. He didn't stop. I take pleasure in my infirmities. You take pleasure in your infirmities? Yeah. I take pleasure in my infirmities. No, I take pleasure in a vacation. I take pleasure in a day off on the golf course and it's 70 degrees. And I beat my son. I take pleasure in that. First time in the year, I did. I take pleasure with 70 degrees. Let's play golf, Dad, okay. And somehow he played terrible. I played decent. I beat him by a stroke. I take pleasure in that. Yeah. It won't happen again probably. But I take pleasure. I don't take pleasure in an infirmity. What's the last time you got put in the hospital and you said, oh, thank you, Lord, I take pleasure in being in this hospital. We don't do that, do we? 
Pastor, what are you saying? I'm trying to get you to understand that we need to understand. We've got to change our perspective about the thorns. He said, I got a new perspective. It changed my outlook. Because listen, thorns are not your enemy. Did you hear me? Thorns are not your enemy. They're your opportunity to turn your misery into ministry. Help somebody else along the way. Because listen, I, I, I love those instantaneous miracles where God just delivers me. Just like, I like those suddenly moments. They're great. But you know, my experience has been, I'm going to turn 40 in May. Gosh, that makes me sad to say that. In the first half of my life, it's, it's been more where God has come down and said, I'm going to give you enabling grace to see you through it instead of just getting you out of it. I love those suddenly moments. Anybody like those instantaneous miracles? God just shows up and there you go. I like those, Brother Beckner. I'd much rather have those. But I'm starting to find out that God's not always into the quick fix. Why he may not always get you right out, he'll give you enabling grace to see you through. Brings to mind Deuteronomy 33 and 25 when Moses said, As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. Whatever the day demands, God will give you, Brother Tony, whatever you need for that day. And what you need on Monday, you might not need on Tuesday. And what you need on Friday, you might not need on Saturday. But whatever whatever the day demands, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. No matter how bad the thorn is on Monday, God will give you what you need for that day. Don't worry about Tuesday. God says, live in the here, live in the now. I'm going to take care of you today. I hear the Holy Ghost. He's strengthening somebody. He's strengthening somebody. Listen, I know it's been hard. I know it's been difficult. I know it's been rough. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next month. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about the next minute. God said, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. Because here's the truth. You can't always get out. You can't always get out of the tough spots. You can't always get out of the fiery furnace. But, Andrew, you can invite God in while you're there. You can invite him in. When thou passest through the waters. Can I come back here and preach a little bit? When thou passest through the waters, I will be with you. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, the flame will not kindle upon you. And you won't even be burnt. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. You can't always get out, but you can always say, God, you come on in. And while you're in here, I believe you're going to sustain me. You're going to take care of me. You're going to provide for me. Just like those three Hebrew boys in a fiery furnace, they couldn't get out. But God got in. And when God gets in, all bets are off. Anything can happen when God shows up. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the mercy. He'll give you the strength you need to take one more step, one more day. Stand up on your feet all over this building, please. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this little story and I'm going to be done. It's been said and it's pretty common fact that oysters can produce pearls. Have you ever heard that before? You know how they produce pearls? Here's what happens. It happens when this irritant, like a grain of sand or this intruder, like a piece of food that's floating by, gets in between the shells of an oyster. And as soon as that happens... In order for the oyster to protect itself from the irritant or the intruder, it produces this thing called nacre, N-A-C-R-E. 
And as soon as that irritant or that intruder gets in between the shell of the oyster, it quickly begins to produce layer after layer after layer on the unwanted visitor of this thing called nacre, which is also called the mother of pearl. That's where we get that, that saying from. And as that irritant makes its way in, that intruder makes its way in, that oyster, I mean, it, it, it responds that quickly because it knows that if it doesn't, it can be detrimental. And it produces nacre, the mother of pearl. And it covers the irritant with layer after layer of that until that iridescent, shiny, beautiful gem called a pearl is formed. See, the pearl doesn't come unless there's an irritant in the oyster. The gem doesn't come unless there's an intruder, an unwanted visitor that shows up to make the oyster's life difficult. And it is the response of the oyster that determines what is produced. It's the response of the oyster. And I want you to understand with me today that there are going to be irritants that come into your life. There are going to be intruders, inconveniences, and thorns that come into your life. And just like that oyster, how you respond to that determines what you produce. You can produce a pearl, or you can produce bitterness and hurt and pain and anger and frustration and jealousy and hate. But your response determines what you produce. That brings to mind Paul once again and Silas in a jail cell, beaten, backs laid open. Theologians tell us in the lowest part of the dungeon, they said quite possibly as they're chained there, human feces is floating by them. Talk about an irritant. Talk about an intruder. Talk about an inconvenience. That was one. And there Paul and Silas, the Bible says, at midnight. Listen, anytime anything goes on at midnight, it's usually not a good thing. I've told my children many times, they start talking about curfews when they get older. And I tell them this time, because here's what I tell them, after that time, there ain't nothing good that's happening. <clears throat> nothing good goes on. If your phone rings at midnight, it's probably not a good sign. That means something's wrong. As a pastor, my phone rings at midnight. I'm telling you, my heart starts jumping because I know it can't be good. <clears throat> and I've had it ring 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And you get up and you clear your throat. <clears> throat> Hello? Are you sleeping? No, I wasn't sleeping. I was waiting for you to call. <laughs> yeah, I'm sleeping. You know what we do? We, you try to act like you're not because you don't want to hurt the person's feelings and think that they're inconveniencing you. It's, it goes with the territory. But I've had a pastor, you sleep, huh? I was sitting up till 2.30 hoping you'd call me with some tragic news. And I've had it happen and had to get up and get dressed and go to the hospital because somebody's getting ready to take their last breath. Nothing good happens at midnight. Pastor, we can call you. You can absolutely call me any time of the day or night you want to. But it better be an emergency if it's after 12 o'clock. <clears throat> Just call me for small talk. Because when you say, are you asleep? Yeah, I just called to talk, Pastor. Click. <coughs> just kidding. Midnight. You know what they do? What do they do? The Bible tells us. That, that Paul didn't look at Silas and go, man, this is terrible. It's awful. It's horrible. My back hurts. Silas, do you smell that? Do you see that? I can't believe. That's not what they did. But at midnight, the Bible said they sang praise. They shouted about it. They gloried about the thorn. And something happened, Brother Tony, when they started shouting and singing and praising about the thorn. All of a sudden, the foundation of the prison started to shake. 
Everybody's shackles were loosed. The jail cell doors swing open wide and God came in on the scene. What I'm trying to tell you is that however you respond is what you'll produce. And there are times that a thorn, it'll produce a praise in you. Jesus in that garden, I'm closing, I promise. Sweat as capillaries were bursting in his head and sweat became as great drops of blood. Thorn. It didn't produce, woe is me, oh God, what am I going to do? No. God, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, if you can't take it away from me, not what I want, but what you want. And it produced in our Savior a level of prayer he had never been to, I don't think, before. Never in Scripture does it say any other time that he prayed until his sweat became his drops of blood. But there's something about a thorn that will take your prayer life up to a whole new level. And you'll start praying like you've never prayed before. You'll start calling out to God in hours of the night you've never called out to God before. You'll start saying things to God you never said before. Why? It's that irritant. It's that intruder. It's that inconvenience in your life. And it's producing something wonderful in you. Paul, it produced a perspective that he never had before. Changed the way he looked at stuff. I take pleasure in my infirmities. And if you'll let it, whatever thorn that you're dealing with today in your life, whatever's going on in your life today, if you'll take your thorn of grief to the throne of grace, God will take your misery and turn it into a ministry bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to this moment in time.